Yeah, you sound fantastic. Well, I always do. <laughs> That's true. I've got I've got the voice of an angel being fucked by another angel. <laughs> That's a misfit song. Is it? Yeah. Is there a so- is there is there a misfit song called I've got the voice of an angel being fucked by another angel? <laughs> Almost. I don't really know the Misfits. Yeah. They didn't do the Bone Machine song, did they? What's the Bone Machine song? My bone is a machine. (laughs) They didn't do... Is that real? Is that a real song? Yeah. My bone is a machine. How do you do? My shoes are clean. (laughs) I want to know what the chorus is to that song. Is that the chorus of that song or is that a verse? No, it's, it's, it's the only lyrics. Whoa. It was written by the one who did the tattoo song. Like the, the, uh, what's their name? Uh, Chimbley Crumbers. Ch- Chimbley Crumbers. Chimbley Crumbers is uh, a lyricist who only does one-line songs. Chimbley Crumbers. They're 50 bucks. They're really reasonable. 50 bucks gets you a line, right? Then they charge $10,000 for every word after that. So record companies only ever give them the 50 for the line. And they can work pretty fast, I'm guessing, if they just write one line. Oh, they'll have you that. They'll have you a line, like, within 15 days. (laughs) They're getting paid $50 per two weeks. They're making $25 a week, about. Ch- yeah, but Ch- the real the real money comes for Chimberly with the the ten k, right? When they write an extra word, and one day someone's gonna pay that. <laughs> Until then, Chimberly will still live in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan was on Road Rules Northern Trail in 1998. Since then, he has appeared in precisely zero award-winning TV shows, blockbuster movies, or community theater plays. We are here to fix this. We are here to make Jonathan off Road Rules a star. Boston's favorite son will ride again. All right, so here's a thought. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We're going to take you out into the middle of Boston Common. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I like where this is going. Right. To Boston Common. Mm-hmm. And we're going to put a big stake in the ground. Right? Okay. <laughs> Why? And you are going to go... I'm talking like a big stake. Like as tall as you. Like a huge stake in the ground. Like the kind that they would have tied a witch to. Ooh. That kind of stake. Uh-oh. Yeah. It's right? in my top five types of stakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I like a ribeye. I like a porterhouse. I like high ones. Yep. High stakes. High stakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's basically where you just like give a cow a load of cannabis. <laughs> just, just take the risk, yeah. Yeah. So you have this stake, right? Yeah. And you have a huge barrel of oil. Okay. Okay, baby oil. What? Okay. Baby oil, right? Mm. Right, right. And and we'll figure out where we get the babies for squeezing later, but... Gerber. <laughs> I've, got, I, I've got a guy in Gerber. He could get you a ton of Gerber babies. And they're not real babies, technically, but they are oily. They're oily fake babies? <laughs> oily fake babies. <laughs> I mean, they're not fact. They're technically alive. We've talked about Gerber babies on the show before. They're a particular breed. They're they're the most photogenic <laughs> baby, but they're soulless. You, you are confusing our shows. That's okay. No, we integrated that canon. Oh, did we? Yay! Is that is that now all part of the canon? Oh, absolutely. Um, so yeah, we've got a stake in the ground in Boston Common, Conrad. Mm-hmm, I like mm-hmm. your direction. We've got a big barrel of baby oil. Mm-hmm. Do please continue. Now, what you're going to do, Jonathan, Mm -hmm. is you're going to take your hands and you're going to plunge them into that barrel of baby oil. Mm. Okay. Plunge? And then you're going to grease that steak. Just get it all good and greased up, right? Lube Yeah, Yeah. Now, it's going to start the the, the oil, obviously, on your hands. But as you're greasing it, it's going to start running down 
your arms, right? It's going to get all over your fork. Don't worry about it. All part of the plan, right? Because as you go along, you're going to get closer and closer to the pole, right? You're going to begin to grease it with your entire body. Uh, your entire nude. Very. Did uh, I mention you were very nude? Very nude, Jonathan. I was wondering. Yeah, I thought I was not going to be, but I am. Well, you wouldn't want to ruin your vestments. <laughs> Ruining? Uh, it's already ruined. Everything's pre-ruined done. Well, obviously it's already ruined because the moment you've taken those clothes off, I've brought them into the bushes to enjoy them. <laughs> but do please continue. And so once you have the pole and yourself fully greased, you are then going to try to climb to the top of the pole. <laughs> Slimy... Climbing? I, how am I going to get... Slimy climbing! <laughs> See, and this is representative of man's struggle. Uh... Life is just a greasy pole that we're trying to get to the top of. Profound. <laughs> is there an artist statement that goes in the Boston Globe newspaper to announce that this performance art piece is... Oh, I imagine, I mean... Well, this this entire show is about raising your profile, Jonathan, as you well know. So we will have contacted every single paper yeah. to say, like, there is some slimy climbing going on in Boston Common. You need to come and see this shit quick. I mean, you sort of figure that by day five, they'll show up on their own. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, we do want to make sure that they know where to find you. Yeah. So we did reach out. Yeah. Now, when I think of, of someone um, climbing... Uh, desperately, desperately clambering and failing and grasping and gripping. Uh, I like to imagine there's an element of danger involved, uh, 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 an, an amount of pressure. Mm. Now, hungry dogs uh, <laughs> snapping at his heels while he tries to climb. Uh, where would you stand on that, Conrad? I am actually, I am very pro yeah? snapping dogs. <laughs> okay. Now, I do think we need what we would need to do is set up another ring of smaller stakes, right? Okay. And I don't know about you, but I like small yippy dogs for this purpose because I find them to be very, very full of anger and hatred for what <laughs> we as a species have done to create them. Okay. Give me one second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I could pull that off. Excellent, excellent. So, yeah, if we could just get, like, five or six of them, and we leash them to these stakes. Yeah, leash me. Sorry, the dogs, yeah. So that they can only reach about as far with their teeth as the base of the main stake. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Right? So the idea is that they can't chase Jonathan up the pole. But if Jonathan's feet hit ground, ah, they're there. Yeah, yeah, we're there. Sorry, they're there. Right. Yeah. Um, so how many dogs did you want? I'd like half a dozen, maybe. Half a dozen? Okay, so I'll source five. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll I, don't get... if, I don't know if you've caught the implication, Jonathan, but I'm going to be one of the dogs, Jonathan. <laughs> I'm going to start snapping at your ankleted, ring-toed feet. You're going to wear a lot of toe rings and anklets for this, Jonathan. I need that. In fairness, with your height on all fours, you'll be at waist. Oh. Oh, you'll oh. be biting my waist. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be at waist height. Strictly the I? waist. Only mm. the waistband area will be. Waist not want not. <laughs> Don't bite my ass, please. <laughs> yep, yep. No guarantees. The thing is, Jonathan, if your rump is present, I'm going to want a nosh. I just am. <laughs> I'm only human. That's what, uh, what was the Grimbly Grumpers? What was their name? They wrote a song called Only Human, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm only human. And that's it. And so did Billy Joel. Oh, I mix those two up sometimes. <laughs> I, too, mix up Billy Joel with fictional songwriters. <laughs> he was recently mentioned in Jared Kushner's memoir as having been at, a, at the boat party where Rupert Murdoch's wife helped reunite him with Ivanka, leading to their marriage. Oh, that pisses me off. Oh, wow. Billy Joel's involved. After he broke up with her for not being Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> that fucking pisses me off. Yeah, Billy Joel's playing piano, bringing them back together with scenes from an Italian restaurant. Bono and Bob Geldof were there, too. 
Of course they were. Oh, that even that makes me even madder. <laughs> Jonathan. Yeah. Why weren't you there? <laughs> Why is Jared Kushner writing about Billy Joel and Bono out of the U2 and and Rupert Murdoch? Why why didn't you reunite Jared with Ivanka? Why didn't you commit that sin? Then you could have been in a book and been famous on a boat. Jonathan. <laughs> it's, it's you know it's Holmes. I don't know how old Ivanka and Jared are, but I think they're in Road Rules watching age. So here's the thing when we jokingly, I think jokingly, bring up these questions as why wasn't Jonathan there? It's not out of the realm of possibility that some of these people actually vaguely remember who I am from when they were watching TV as a teenager in their early 20s. Because I was I was on a show that a lot of people people watched. Uh, who are those voice actors that do the D&D show there the vox mechanica or something god she is younger than i am that's horrifying yeah 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 they're all in that age group and they they talk about road rules sometimes on that famous role-playing game podcast i so it it could have happened if they cared if ivanka and jared cared because they probably saw me for at least a second they could they could have called they might have seen jonathan they didn't want the jonathan you did and that's because of mtv yeah well obviously mtv fucking oh they strung you up they diddled you they fucked your onions jonathan (laughs) they what absolutely (laughs) screwed you over mtv did yeah i mean why didn't they opt why didn't why didn't why wasn't there a spin-off show called road rules jonathan's world (laughs) And then we could have seen the world of you. It's Jonathan's world. You're just living in it. Yeah. Come and watch him masturbate around the country like he did on the set of Road Rules Daily. I did not. (laughs) He did. I didn't. I I saw you do it and you looked at me when you did it. What? (laughs) You were like 13 then, so that's a crime. And also... (laughs) How would I? How would I find you with my eyes across the nation? It's not not a magic. I know I can't do that. I don't have that oh, sort of Jonathan. the power of television to reach into people's homes, Jonathan. Yeah, all things are crimes if we think about the real world implications. So let's not do that, Jonathan. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you? Right, you know those. You know those um joke shop cans you get like tin cans that are jokes you open it up and all these sort of spring snakes burst out of it oh yeah that hilarious joke i think it's peanut brittle is the can yeah because everyone's munching on that that's the classic yeah yeah and 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 uh and really they probably ought to modernize that now huh yeah probably who the fuck is buying peanut brittle in a can well, no one's buying peanut brittle in a can. That's not believable. Mm. But if we want to, like, like I'm thinking about um, um, the nature of humour and comedy. I know this is the wrong podcast to do that, right. but I'm nonetheless thinking about comedy. And and all the great jokes are told. All the great pranks, we've all seen them. You know, oh, here's some chewing gum. Oh, it's a weird little mousetrap, but for your finger. And it barely hurts because of regulations. Ah, you've been tricked. Or oh, itching powder. Oh. Like, what even is that? It's nothing. It's usually just some talcum powder, and then you're just like, ha-ha, I've temporarily ruined your shirt. Like that, that old hat. And the thing about the old snakes in a can gag is if someone's going to say, here, would you like some peanut brittle from this clearly plastic can, you know you're going to see snakes. You just know it. It's true. You You would be less surprised... If you, you'd be more surprised if you watched Anaconda and saw a snake in it. <laughs> Having seen Anaconda already, you'd be more surprised than if someone handed you a Jonathan, a can of peanut brittle. Yeah, a plastic can. <laughs> why, why are you describing this for so long? <laughs> what, what you're suggesting then is that perhaps the people behind peanut brittle might be ripe for a new representative. Yes. Well. <laughs> What I'm saying is that we need a new type of can. Oh, okay. <laughs> all, right, all right. So it's not the peanut brittle part that's the problem. It's the can? It's the fact that it's not 
your can, Jonathan. Oh, my ass can. My butt. Yeah! yeah! <laughs> your ass man can. That's what I'm talking about. Why aren't you some sort of serpentine anal blunderbussy? <laughs> Just imagine the joy where, like, you know... <laughs> People are out in Fenway Park, mm. you know, enjoying the summer. You've got like, like maybe a, a romantic couple <laughs> serenading, like on a promenade, walking. Uh, the ducks are out; they're throwing bread to the ducks. You know, this, this young couple in love, like twenty three, twenty four, something like that. Fiancés. He's just, in fact, he might be popping the question that very day. Wow. He believes very much in, in rigid gender roles. So he's going to do the whole <laughs> on-one-knee thing, right? He's on one knee, he's pulled out his ring. Looks like another ring's about to be pulled out because, uh-oh, here comes the blunderbussy. You leap out and push his atom, Jonathan. What? Frantically, <laughs> hurriedly undoing your... What? Say this. So I don't know what a blunder pussy is. I don't know. I'm running and undoing. Oh, you're really out of breath as well. Like You've been stalking them for an hour. And they did that thing where they were on a boat, like a pedal boat, going across the lake. Oh, yeah. You had to really fucking leg it right around the circumference of the lake and find a good bush and dive in it before they were done. And, you know, they're walking... Arm in arm, <laughs> you leap out of a bush, sweating, covered in dirt because you fell over a bit on the way. <laughs> You're out of breath, hurriedly undoing your belt, and then you just say, "Can anyone? Does anyone care for some peanut brittle?" <laughs> and you yank down your trousers, Jonathan, turn out, bend over, pull your cheeks apart. Burp! Out come a shower of snakes. Live snakes or no. like jokey, springy snakes? Do you want live snakes? I mean, yeah, I guess we could arrange live snakes. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking plastic, you know, like like rubbery, springy snakes. Yeah, but I mean, if you want live snakes, yeah, we sure. can get live can snakes. Yeah. I don't want live snakes. Lloyd, down by the river, right, can get you some. I mean, oh some of them might be very small and pink. And venomous. Oh, yeah. And some are worms, I think, if they're small and pink. Most are worms. <laughs> Which is a type of snake, I'm assured, relatively, by Lloyd. He says, like, you know, worms don't have spines. Snakes don't have spines. Uh, Same thing. <laughs> snakes. I've seen many a snake skeleton. I'll no, tell you. No, 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 no. They have, they have fangs, Jonathan. <laughs> That's it? <laughs> yeah. I know, like, you look at a snake and you're like, oh, I can see a bit of its skeleton. No, those are fangs. Otherwise, they're, like, completely squishy. <laughs> Just filled with fangs from head to toe. Well, you'll be filled with worms. From head to toe. You can get <laughs> well, it up there. I, I saw a sad thing for me. Uh, others, I'm sure it's their thing. It was a hand way up an ass. And I guess <laughs> people can do it. People can. Oh, you can get up to the elbow. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, How? you can really get in there. But there's so many. I mean, many... I've been wrist deep in a few cavities. There's organs. In there. How do they not get perforated? Well, they move around. Yeah. There's space. They just accommodate? They just step aside? You, you can stir the soup, Jonathan. <laughs> Look, you are a lot less solid in there than you think. You got to remember, we're like 80% water. Yeah, stuff, stuff shifts around, Jonathan. So, you know, I'll be using my fist to make a bit of room before Conrad comes in with the trowel. <laughs> to just put it in. There was a time. Yeah. I remember pretty distinctly the first time you suggested packing my anus with worms. Yeah, we were going to be a rap group. <laughs> you remember it too. And I was surprised at the time. I was like, things have taken a turn for me, apparently. <laughs> I remember when that was a new low. Yeah, that was, wow. This, what are we doing on this podcast? And now it's just... Tuesday. Now it's now it's <laughs> here come the worms. <laughs> anyway, right? That's not the joke. Okay, good. I know, I know you're like, oh, right, okay, worms in my ass. Been there, done that. Um, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't done it. You know, like 
I, 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 I feel like after you've like just burst out, <laughs> fumbling at your belt, dropping your pants. Anyone want any peanut brittle? Turn round, bend over, cheeks apart. <laughs> out come. Well, they won't pop out. Out dribble the words, <laughs> and then you sort of look over your shoulder and you're like, it's like a joke's not drop steak like that. You squirt out a little bit of peanut brittle. Ugh. We shoved that up first before the worms, and that's the joke. There was peanut brittle. We've turned the whole gag on its head, Jonathan. So the real surprise <laughs> is I did actually have peanut brittle. You, you thought I wouldn't. Yes. But I did. Yes. Right? They're going to feel so foolish. The, cu- the young couple who were enjoying their day are going to be like, oh, 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 God, God, I, th- I thought he was the living snake joke can of Boston. The serpentine anal blunderbussy that we've all heard so much about. But it turns out that we are the fools. Are they? Oh, he what? had but, peanut but they, they, they wanted to just get married. They, they're, they're not stopping everything and thinking, wow. He, he really, they're thinking, dear Lord, the threat is real. Our lives may come to an end. This man's ass is close. Anything can happen next. If he's capable of this, what other debaucherous uh, end of life crimes, any sort of rule breaking is now on the table. This guy could do anything to us. A nuclear bomb could go off. Skeletons could rise from the ground. And tear us limb from limb. They are in full fear mode, full fight or flight at the sight of that ass and the worms coming out. Well, don't be ridiculous. They'll be charmed. <laughs> like the uh, the show about witches. <laughs> they'll, they'll suddenly just be yes. like a pretty good sitcom about witch sisters. They will. They will absolutely be that. Well, that's good. I. It's funny because. The, the stakes and the witches that we talked about earlier made yeah, me realize yeah. that. I don't know if you two know this, but about 45 minutes away from Boston, there's a, I think it's a city, but it might just be a town called Salem. That around this time of year, already August, they start to celebrate Halloween there. Yeah. And... The reason the town is so famous is because people were burned alive there some hundreds of years ago. And instead of being like, we're sorry, they put up a statue of the lady from Bewitched, the the, the famous TV witch. And they're like, we love witches here. No, you killed them. You know, it's not different than if there was a town where, oh, I don't know, there was a lot of slaves or something. And they just put up a statue of, I don't know, Samuel Jackson or, or, or LeVar Burton from Roots. I'm pretty sure they just, like, finally acknowledged the innocence of the last burned witch up there from the Salem trials that they hadn't gotten around to yet. <laughs> yeah! It's been, it's been 200 years. <laughs> for, the, for the past 50 years, there was a judge <laughs> who was looking at the case, and he spent 50 years just going... <laughs> At taxpayer expense, no less. Oh yeah, oh he was dragging it out, and then just like last week, he was just like, mm, nah, nah, probably didn't. <laughs> All done. And then yeah, cleared her name. At last, she's gonna be thrilled. Yeah, they're cashing in on the corpse yeah. of the witches, and it's just just considered normal. Nobody ever says. Isn't that a somewhat poor taste? Really? Like like it, celebrating bigotry and institutional slaughter. It's very unbecoming of America. Yeah, I don't know. They've been letting the Mormons <laughs> baptize everybody for decades now. Yeah, I guess so. There's a lot of those uh, USA traditions that are sort of about the damaging of others, now that I think about it. Fourth hmm. of July, bombs in the air, and the and the hmm. whole Columbus Day thing. Thanksgiving, I guess. It's like we have a monopoly on violence. Hmm. Yeah. And and I don't know why people just take it for granted is is not weird. How can we let them know it's weird? Maybe that's 
Maybe that's what I've got that's special. Well, imperialism probably seems pretty normal when you're inside of it. That's the thing about an empire. Yeah. (laughs) Imperialism is fairly standard within it. Right. People take it as default. They're just like, it's what it is. Yeah. It's always been that way, says someone who's, you know, been alive for a fraction of its existence. Benefited from it their entire life. Yeah. (laughs) And then people get mad at the people who say it's bad and call them woke and say, you woke, stop it. Don't be so woke, they tell them. They say, oh, the woke, we need to, they're out of control, the woke. We need to control the woke and get them to not be so woke. Uh, but maybe we can make that work for me. I'm trying to bring it back to me, but I guess that's selfish. Wow. Yeah, I'm just Again. trying to stay on theme for the show. Again with the narcissism. Yeah. Just trying to not not go too far for the listeners. So f- the to listeners. not go too far afield into to important things that we care about. <laughs> No, I get you. For the listeners, because they, right. uh, they just for the listeners. somehow help me. I think the listeners, they've been helpful. Have they? They want to make me famous somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They support me. They come up with all sorts of ideas. Oh, they're so kind. Oh, they do support you. That's true. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that they, I'm sure if we asked, the fans would hold you, like, up against the wall uh, <laughs> for Steph. Yeah. They do want to help with that. That's true. But how can I be the one who becomes the woke man who then actually wakes up all the people? So you want to become a human alarm clock. All right. Okay. All right. We can work with this. Just sitting on the side table there, dinging. I don't know if that's going to wake people up. People hate alarm clocks. They slap them Mm. and say, shut up. I want to sleep. Oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. No, then we can work with that too. We can work with that too. Okay, so here's 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 what we do. Uh, I, I I I seem to recall um, parades being fairly popular in Boston, right? Oh yeah, they love parades. Yeah, they love a parade, right? Okay, they do. All right. So what we'll need to do is carry you. Steph and I could do this. We could carry you, you know, on one of those, uh, you know, throny. What do they call them with the the handles and the throne. Uh, the bone. <laughs> bone is not in the. No, you're the, right. You're right. That's going to be too heavy. What we'll do is we'll get a couple of like uh, a service carts. Service we'll, carts. Uh, we'll stick a chair on there. We'll just roll you through uh, the city. That makes sense. Oh, you know what? A flat dolly even better. Get you lower to the ground because you're a man of the people and, and you need to be of and among them. And so what we will what we'll do is we will mount air horns to the sides of your shoulders blaring outward in two directions right you know uh don't worry about them being right next to your ears it will be fine (laughs) i have a lot of ideas about this already so it's this is one of those low to the ground parades <laughs> that people people have to get down real low, like lie down to see. No, just really, just you. It's really just you with <laughs> with Steph and I behind you pushing the, the the hand cart that has you, you know, seated on the throne, waving, you know, with the parade wave, you know, elbow, elbow, wrist, wrist, elbow, elbow, wrist, wrist, as the air horns blare out in both directions, just. <laughs> A mind-bending shriek, right? And we have attached to the back of the chair that you're in a big sign that says, slap this alarm clock and wake up. What time of day is this happening? Is this uh, is this in the middle of the night? Or is this... I actually don't think it matters, but <laughs> we'll say 3 a.m. for the, the purpose of comedy. I don't know. I literally think it does not matter when we do this. It is universally waking upping. It's going to cause yeah. the waking for sure. Yeah. But yeah. it's probably going to be more irritating to people at 3 a.m. For some reason, there's someone on my street with a moped that rides it late at night, mm. 3 a.m. It's definitely been ridden. And it sounds like... <laughs> just the... Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that was too loud or too quiet, but it was... 
my first attempt at imitating this moped, but it's so grating and irritating that it wakes you up and makes you think, but you only think about how you hate that moped. I don't know if people are going to be thinking about imperialism. Oh, no, yeah, no, no, you're you're actually 100% right about the moped thing, right? Okay. Uh, because, and I'll give you an example, I live in an area where it is a popular, like, night hangout spot, uh, particularly for people who like to show off their motorcycles and cars. People do that? Oh, God, yes. Cruising culture is a big thing here in Philadelphia. Huh. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they turn off of the cruising strip onto my street. So I get every fucking motorcycle <laughs> and and souped up fucking hot rod or whatever they just want to be loud with. And, you know, it's a it's a mixed bag. You know, on the one <laughs> hand, there's usually blaring music and people in Philly have fantastic taste in music. So Ooh, it's like good. I constantly got, you know, a good party going out my window, but the other half the time it's just very loud motorcycles. And you would think, uh, you know, the, the, the problem with that is, yes, it's very annoying and loud, but you have to think about it. It is part of the culture here. Mm. It is a social thing. It's part of the contract of living in this area mm. that it's like that. Mm. But try and explain that to these white fucking middle-aged assholes <laughs> moving in to gentrify the neighborhood. And, oh, God, it's kind of loud, isn't it? Ah. <laughs> uh. I wish we could get those people out. That's so much of it. I have heard, uh, it's so funny you would mention that, to, to talk about something maybe real for a second. There is a lot of studies shown that the whole concept of noise pollution is often racist. Mm -hmm. It is a culture thing where if you have had the money to buy a big plot of land that's spread out, you don't hear anybody else and therefore... You don't associate sounds with culture and community. But if you are from a poor community and probably marginalized, you've probably been packed in with a lot of other people. So you always hear each other. So if you're from that community, you try to make the best of it and probably do so unconsciously and turn that sound into something joyful, something about connecting with other people and being less alone with your stuff. And that's why this is going to work. What? The air horn? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why this is going to work, because in order for them to stop it from happening, they have to come and get right in front of you and slap you. <laughs> right? And that introduces an opportunity for a dialogue with that person, right? You've already broken the ice. So here's the, here's the thing. Slapping me isn't going to... Stop the air horns. They're just so, <laughs> so they're going to come up. They're going to read the sign. They're going to be very irate. What was that noise? They're going to read the sign. They're going to be like, oh, I see. They're going to take the, the free hit and just smash me. And I'm going to say, uh, yeah, I, I was trying to wake you from the imperial. And they're not going to hear me because of the, the sounds. And they're just going okay, right, to hit me I'm again. You. And, you know, before you continue, I just want to let you know that here in the town I live in, I recently saw a dunk tank. There was a, a, a midsummer celebration and a local pizza place set up a real dunk tank with a man just getting essentially tortured. People would just throw a, a, a softball at a lever that, if hit, would cause him to fall into a pit a very dirty water, like gray to black water. So rainwater. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, but actually, which, which, by the way, mm -hmm. we've recently learned that uh, there are now enough forever, forever chemicals in our global ecology that rainwater would be classified as unsafe to drink in the United States. Yeah, I had read that too. It's officially Goodness. always yeah. bad until some science hopefully purifies it. So yeah, I uh -huh. know that public torture really draws a crowd. Like there was a line right? going uh, across the block to just cause this man to be dirty and wet. People love that stuff. It's true. See? <laughs> so it's this is it, this is bound to work, but I I hear your criticisms. I hear your criticisms. I, I have a suggestion yeah. that we, we could address this, right? So, Steph or I 
one of us will have a little button. And every time you get slapped, we press the button mm-hmm. and the air horn shut off. Oh. For like six seconds. <laughs> That's not very long. <laughs> it's long enough for you to make that connection, you know? Right? So I have to do my speech, my, my sell them on getting woke in six seconds. I have to quickly... And I'm not always so great with words, as you you probably know from experience. It's hard for me to be quick, salient with my points, and be effective. I, I don't know how I'm going to do that in six seconds. Well, I mean, all they'd have to do is slap you again. <laughs> Get another six seconds. <laughs> Which is probably what's going to be the main draw, is the, the stopping of the noise and the slapping of the face. That's what people... Are going to enjoy. I don't know if there's room for message. I don't. Well, no, but that, that's the that's the beauty of it. They get the enjoyment up top, and then you slip in the message. It's mm. a little sugar to like help me- help the medicine go down. Ah, give them give them the pleasure first. So first, you give them the pain of the noise, then you give them the pleasure of sweet release and violence t- towards me, and then because they've already been such a roller coaster, been on such a roller coaster with me, they're going to. Want to hear my message. <laughs> right. Well, and, and the, the dopamine receptors being released by having slapped you and caused the noise to stop will make them instantly more receptive to anything you might have to say. Wow. We're biochemically setting them up to be receptive to my, my special message, which is imperialism is bad. It's not good to celebrate when we burned those witches. It's not good to celebrate when we kind of took over the country and and marginalized the native groups here in the nation? Was that six seconds? Is that, did I do it? <laughs> I, don't know if I, I don't know if I got under the wire. And I don't know. So we lost Steph a little while ago. Yeah, I just, just saw the message from Steph. You that, carried that... the show. Amazing. <laughs> I did. <laughs> you did fantastic. I, I was just trying to keep you uh, boosted up, trying to. Get you put you put you in the position to win there. You you did great, but I don't I don't know if we can truly continue without Steph. What's the message from Steph say? Uh, their whole internet died. Oh no! <laughs> well, they they uh they don't have their real internet set up yet. Oh, um, okay. They have been using a mobile hotspot <laughs> uh, for internet this week, and I I think uh. I think they've run out of data. And they wanted to do this show. They reached out to me on Twitter and were like, BFS, want to do it? Well, they just got there. Like, they're just getting their life set back up. And they're so excited to, like, resume normality. Oh, yeah. It's very sweet. And this show is a part of that normality for them. Yeah. Which is really something. We do take for granted that this show is normal. To us and to thousands of To a section of, of the audience, yeah. <laughs> but to, to other people, it is impenetrable and very off-putting. I, I end up telling people pretty regularly, because this is like one of the most successful things I'm a part of these days. It's got the longest-running, most diehard audience and, and a fair amount of numbers. Not as much as some of you and Steph's other shows, I think, but still, it does okay. But I, then I have to explain to Konami PR or or to some some new magazine I'm writing for. Well, actually, one of my more popular podcasts is the one where the worms are shoved in the ass. In 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 theory, they don't actually do it, but I can't prove they don't actually do it because it's you know audio only. So so yeah, I know for sure that a lot of I think I told MTV about it recently. I met with MTV not that long ago and was trying to pitch a road rules game to them. And there's actually a couple of listeners of this show who are going to work on a game with me to to really pitch to MTV because they weren't sold on my verbal only pitch very well. I don't know if I told you this, Conrad, but I but I said to them, nobody's going to want to play a video game that's just about road rules challenge. You know, nobody cares about that show. And it's like Ooh, their show. That's a... <laughs> It's not, true, though. It's true. And, and I felt really? like I, you actually did that. <laughs> not as gregarious and a little bit mean as that. Okay, so less friendly, but less mean, too. Yeah, more businessy, more <laughs> less confident, I should have said, but uh, somewhat, somewhat friendly. And I felt like I could say it because I was on the show. 
So I could sell, say the show is not is bad. You could well, say the show is bad because you had been on it. It's yeah, and, and so it's my show. In uh, my mind. You had been on it twenty years ago <laughs> when almost. Uh, I, I would I would suspect that apart from perhaps the executive producers, nobody else involved with the production you were on is currently working on this show. Uh, probably. It feels like a safe bet. Eh, yeah, I think. I mean, some of they bring back cast members from my show pretty regularly. But cast—that's cast members. I'm, I'm talking about because because it's one thing to shit on the the fellow cast members. Oh, I would never do that. Wait, I did and, do and that. No, no, of course you'd never do that because <laughs> they have an audience. They have people who know about them. They have people who would be aware that you did it, and and their audience is no, no, no. You're just shitting on the crew. <laughs> Oh, no. you're just shitting on the crew and the production staff. Not, you're going to them and you're like, crew. oh, God, you know, well, we all know this is trash. But here's my idea for how to make it good <laughs> in a video game. That, yes, you are. You're coming through, Steph. We're so glad you're back. We were I was just telling Conrad about how I did meet with MTV not that long ago. I'm not sure if I talked about it on this show and pitched them a real world road rules challenge game. And I had to mention that I was on this podcast when I did so. I'm like, fans of the Boston's Favorite Son podcast will surely buy the game. I have a built-in audience of some thousands. And they're like, what's the show about? And I was like, uh, it's about trying to make me famous again because Road Rules is not popular and your shows aren't hot at all anymore. So that's the joke. Is that that I was once famous? Oh, that's famous. the joke. <laughs> oh, think. shit. Oh. <laughs> so they may have listened to the show. MTV may have checked it out in order to see if I'm viable, if I'm able to to be fertile with my capacity for <laughs> for fame. Great. Now we're going to see a whole slew of new MTV programming based on <laughs> our brilliant ideas that you have done nothing to capitalize on. Unfucking real. Wouldn't that be something, though? If MTV, which I think just plays ridiculousness and some old movies sometimes. Uh, last time I checked their schedule, it was just about nine hours of ridiculous during the ridiculousness during the day. If they somehow thought we were the next hot ticket. Is it possible? Steph, you're you're wrestling all the time. Wrestling's hot. You're really growing as a wrestler. Wrestling Simon Miller and other big names. It's been so fun to watch that happen. Do you do you think it's possible MTV might call upon you to wrestle for them and then they would maybe want me back too? No. <laughs> That's the only Cause you're pretty famous, Conrad. You're doing well. Me, I'm just sort of slumming it, folks. Writing print magazines and lying around on the ground in the hot summer, not turning on the air conditioner because it's too much money. I'm I'm I'm, I'm sort of at the bottom of the barrel. I'm a, I'm sort of a slug. I mean, I woke up yesterday or two days ago with thirty-seven cents in my checking account. Okay. Like. <laughs> I'll give you some money. No, no, some no, no, that's okay. We're fine. But it's, okay, I'm sure you're fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all slugs here. That's what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I'm literally a has been now. What? Like that's my that's like the point of the career I'm at. Is that right? That is the common um, consensus. Yes. Among among a certain audience, for sure. What you're washed up, mate? Yeah. Okay. I mean. Over the hill. Done for, <laughs> well, Jonathan. you are not in your 20s anymore. Oh, I'm keenly fucking aware. <laughs> but but that's not old. I'm just what? saying, right? The moment I, um, uh, the moment I came out with Femme Presentation, I was suddenly seeing uh, criticism that I'm too old to do my job, <laughs> which I'd never seen before then. No, but that's pretty normal in the entertainment industry if you're a woman over 35. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the point. That is like, a good point. That's literally the mo and I mean the moment. The moment I came out as publicly uh, trans femme. That 
two things happened. When two new forms of criticism uh, arose. One that the obvious one, like, oh, they're having a mental breakdown. And the other one was that they, I think they're now too old for this job and should stop. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. And and you are more productive than ever, from what I can tell, doing so many live events as well as upkeeping your YouTube presence and podcast presence. Well, not bad for someone who was uh, functionally homeless. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> I spent eight months in the UK unable to find anywhere to fucking live. I remember. That's around when we did the uh, the interview for Lock On. You were like, mm-hmm. so talking to landlords, telling them that I am a pretty successful enough financially YouTuber. And they're like, what? Do you have an office? Do you have a name tag? Like without these markers of, I don't know... Not financial, but uh, employment success, I guess. Being a good worker, you were struggling to to get a place, but you've got one now for yeah. for cripe sakes. But and you know, I was very lucky that I wasn't houseless. That I, you know, I was staying with Phoenix and could provide an address because, of course, we live in a system where if you don't have a house, you can't have a house. Yeah. Right? So I was fucking lucky that I was... Like, it was the lack of a proof of income that kept doing me in with some of these places. Like, I had it, but it was American. Mm. And because, like, so much of the system is built around keep out foreigners, mm. it, it, it was so racist, it fucked over a white person <laughs> just to be safe. Just to make sure that they weren't going to accidentally let a brown person have a house. Wow, yes. I mean, it's some pretty effective racism, I'll give it that. As far as racisms go, <laughs> that was an effective racism. Yeah, sounds sounds potent for certain. Oh, very potent. Speaking of potency, Jonathan, yeah. Yeah. I had a sore throat the other day. You have a sore throat? And I, I, yeah, and I thought, like, I, I genuinely thought to myself, you know what, it would be soothing if Jonathan just came down my throat. Like walk down your throat or re? Oh, no. you mean ejaculate? <laughs> yeah, I think I tried. I think we could market you as as a new uh, soothing cream. <laughs> no, don't you think no. it'd be good? Like you got like dry, raspy, itchy throat, <laughs> and then a couple of pumps down the hatch. It would just sort of coat it. I feel, and and, and just lubricate the throat and make you feel better. I, why, why, why would you choose that over any other non-poisonous? And hopefully, my ejaculate is not poisonous. But who knows? These days, haven't had it tested, so anything goes. But why would you choose that over all? Just a, you know, cough drop. Because it's your jizz. <laughs> Look, right, Jonathan. I. We've known each other for over ten years now, Jonathan. You said earlier, like, like you're not surprised by the, the concept of worms up your ass or anything. No, not anymore. But you managed to consistently shock me. Really? Like, how, after all this time, have you not nailed down the principle that if I had a choice between your jizz and not your jizz, I'm going to go with your jizz every time? If your jizz is on the table, Steph is there. Yes, Ugh, it's just sitting on a table. If your jizz is on any surface, Steph is there. I'll I'll be on all fours mopping it up with my mouth, Jonathan. (laughs) Lapping it up like a cat with milk. Mm. It grosses me out. It is my own secretion. It's it's an extension of my physical self. I shouldn't be Mm. so disgusted. But the idea of my semen sitting on a table makes me feel a little sad and and yucked. But you enjoy that yuck. You want to suck that yuck. Speaking about enjoying yuck, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I've been, now that I've got all my stuff back, which I haven't seen for over half a year, you know, television and computers and everything. I've been able to, like, get back into watching TV. Oh, yeah? Stuff like that, Jonathan. Yeah? And I was feeling nostalgic. So I thought, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to watch the old 90s animated Spider-Man cartoon. Oh, yeah. You remember that one? I do. The one that's like, now, 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 now. 
That one. I do remember that. Yeah. And it, I tell you what, Jonathan, it was a trip. Mm. It, it was a trip down memory lane for a while. Because at first, you know, it was the usual adventures of Peter Parker, a.k.a. Spider-Man. Bitten by a radioactive spider, uh, uh, goes out fighting crime, deals with some familiar figures, you know, Norman Osborn, the Kingpin, who was, had a really large presence in that show, hmm. even though in the comics he's primarily a daredevil villain. Uh, mm -hmm. As a kid, a lot of my exposure to Marvel was that show. Hmm. So to me, the Kingpin has always been primarily a Spider-Man villain. Sure. Uh, even though he is, you know, chiefly uh, um, uh, daredevils. Right. Uh, but... What I loved about that show was like the high concept stuff that it came out with uh, and how it really integrated comic book storylines with big multi-episode um, story arcs mm -hmm. and brought in uh, like the X-Men cartoon series was like integrated into the canon and everything. I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I I don't remember any details because I've not gotten that far into the series. Um you know, I used to watch it as a kid, and I remember like Wolverine showing up, and he's all like, "Hey, Bob, I got claws," <laughs> uh, stuff like that. Sure. Uh, and you can really see like like just the keen writing and voice acting, even in the early like the first four episodes, I'd say, because it takes a turn at episode five, Jonathan. Really? Yeah, yeah, a really weird sort of sort of turn. Um, first four episodes, pretty standard. You know, Norman Osborn makes an appearance, the lizard makes an appearance, and then. Um, Spider-Man is sort of web-swinging through the town and then just says, oh, you know, he's doing like, oh, I'm a web-slinger. I've got to go uh, back to Aunt May's house before she wonders where Peter is. Oh, wait, who's that over there? And he just sort of looks uh, like in the on a street corner. There's this sort of beige bloke just stood there like like wearing like a, a sweater and slacks. Really normal guy, but like sort of brown skin and, and uh, bald head. Hmm. And he pops down and Spider-Man greets him like we always knew who this character was. So I'm like, oh, he must have been a big figure in the comics that I wasn't aware of. But it's like, oh, hey, it's Jonathan. Just first My name. old pal, Jonathan. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, it's my old pal, Jonathan. How are you? And and Jonathan sort of just turns and says, oh, hey, hey, yeah, it's, it's really good. Uh, I'm just waiting here to get fucked by the Green Goblin. And then the Green Goblin comes in on his hover glider thing and he's like, ah! Well, 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 if it isn't my old nemesis. Out of the way, Spider-Man. I'm talking to this hunk of beef. And then they fuck, Jonathan. Uh... The Green Goblin bends <laughs> Jonathan over his hover glider, right? And just fucks him. Wow. The whole time. He's like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Make your pumpkin bomb explode in my ass. It's like, oh, I will. Ah, like that. And just sort of. Ah. And then actually, uh, weirdly, right, he pulls out, right, and then just starts masturbating. The Green Goblin, Jonathan, just starts what? masturbating onto the character of Jonathan's back. And, and then, yeah, just these little sort of tiny orange pumpkins just come out. And just <laughs> all over his back it's kind of cute really uh one of the more adorable moments of the entire uh spider-man anim animated series i feel um obviously venom turns up bends jonathan over jonathan more just, just eddie brock right the whole like you say we are venom and then bends him over right and starts eating his ass with the with the sharp teeth there with the tongue no the... no no that's the clever thing right this is where i was like well god they're not just gonna do a retread here like like we've just watched norman osborne fuck him in the ass and then the suit comes off eddie brock grabs him like grabs jonathan's ass pulls the cheeks apart and just starts like tossing that salad but good and as the symbiote suit peels off and starts sounding him sounding that's where it goes up the dick hole jonathan now, oh. let me tell you, I'm Ouch. not often fond of that. That's always Oof. my reaction, Jonathan. Yeah. But I will say, in the Spider-Man animated 90s cartoon, Sounding gets a tender portrayal. <laughs> it's, so how many minutes of the show is this? Is this just like a... Uh, this is about three minutes in. <laughs> there's, and it doesn't show that there's anything else, you know, by three minutes... Into most Spider-Man yeah. cartoons, the premise has been laid out, and this is what you get. This, this is the, this is the story. <laughs> yeah, like I, I mean, like I, I got a sense of where the episode was going by the time Mysterio turned up, and and his 
Jonathan, the guy, has just grabbed Mysterio by the shoulders and he's just slurping the top of that dome, just going, oh, yeah, I love licking this helmet. And Mysterio's like, ho, 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 I've got an object fetish. This is good enough for me. And I'm like, well, you know what? Okay, if, if that works for him, I'm not going to complain. Jonathan? <laughs> so others would complain. The shocker turns up. Uh, who was a big, despite being re- relatively obscure in the comics, the shocker turns up because he was big in the series and he just turns in, in a strange element of fourth wall breaking. And I'm like, this isn't Deadpool, but it still happens. He looks right at the camera and says, Haha, I'm voiced by Jim Cummings in this cartoon. And then just ejaculates onto Jonathan's face. Cummings. Well, Jonathan, the whole time throughout all of this is just like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I love being fucked by the Marvel Cinematic Universe, (laughs) which wasn't even a thing. It's like this show predicted where the media would go, Jonathan. Yeah, sounds like it is one of those things that maybe aired once. And yeah. was never shown yeah. again. I mean, and- I was, I, I, as I was watching this, right, I am laughing my head off. I'm slapping my thighs. I'm watching Mary Jane. Just got Jonathan on his back, holding him by the ankles, pulling those legs apart, and just pegging him. Just Whoa. pegging him with a big dildo, like a big, massive red one. Angry red one. Looked like a giant dog cock, Jonathan. But I was a bit worried because... Snapping metal claws, Jonathan. Oh, God. What is this? Otto Octavius? Four long, hard, slithering tentacles arrive. Dr. Otto Octavius is here, and you know what he's going to do, right? Snap, snap. Pulls down his pants, fucks him up the arse with his dick for about 30 seconds. Crying. (laughs) Oddly, the claws never get involved. So 25 minutes later, uh, uh, Octavius is done crying and then the credits roll. And weirdly... Yeah? It's never brought up again. <laughs> well, I'd have to guess that the the writers and the animators, everyone involved, got a stern talking to from the from the network. Yeah, like why didn't you do this sooner? Why did you wait for five episodes? Because frankly, I thought the whole thing was gripping, and I was gripping my whole thing. <laughs> That's not what kids' shows are usually... That's... (laughs) I can't explain it. And I'm, you know, speaking of a stern talking to, I am late now because of that. I sat. (laughs) I sat sat through that. I'm late for a leadership meeting. I have to go and hope that this is what people want and love it. I mean, I'm fucking doing this from tethered iphone data now so (laughs) i'm on like literally comedy internet until they actually get the broadband set up like it's just joke internet it's unbelievable the dedication and anyone who says you oh showing signs of of psychiatric illness as as someone who's actually (laughs) sort of a sort of an expert on that i can say that if you are functioning to this incredible high level and, and working through these kinds of problems, somehow maintaining internet connection with joke internet to achieve your goal of making a show. And I was dropkicked a whole bunch yesterday. Like, I'm <laughs> yeah. doing all right. You are doing incredibly well. Anyone out there could aspire to be more like you and achieve and continue to to push yourself you're not only doing well but you're you're going to new places almost every day just so such an inspiration and also a source of whatever this is the the feeling i get the troubled feeling you know i am used to it but it is it is always troubling to think about cartoon me in that 90s spider-man style or wait what Cartoon you. I think <laughs> I have to no, go. This was, just, this was a Marvel character. Jonathan. Oh, right, right, right. Sorry. Yeah, it, it, sometimes it's funny. I mean, funny. even now that you mentioned it, it looked a, looked a bit like you. But, you know, cartoons look a bit like anything. Uh, <laughs> just pattern recognition, confirmation bias, Jonathan. That's true. It's all a uh, yeah. trick in the mind. You Getting know. a little bit of an ego as your fame increases. <laughs> that's, that's what I think. That's where I think we're going wrong. Well, I'll try to be humble and I'll move okay. on. 
And I love you both, and I hope to see you soon. Yeah. Maybe I'll get to get over there, cross the pond. Get over here. Boston's Favorite Son was performed by Jim Sterling, Conrad Zimmerman, and Jonathan Off-Road Rules. Editing and production by Justin McDaniel. The intro music is Freak Out by Chainmail. Road Rules Northern Trail was an insipid show that shouldn't have happened.